Along the Crossroads is brought to you by... <laughs> Just kidding, I don't have any sponsors. Thanks to Brooks Madden for writing our theme music. He's a great friend of mine and an excellent composer, and I'm really happy that he's finally putting some of that musical talent back to work. Um, welcome to Along the Crossroads, where we explore the parallels between nostalgia, love, family, and growing up through the lens of baseball. I'm Ed Hand. You may know me from one of the multitude of podcasts that uh, I appear on. You w might be surprised to learn, though, this isn't a Red Sox podcast. Uh, something that you might not know about me is that uh, for six months back in 2013, well into 2014, I drove across North America interviewing retired baseball players. It was probably the best six-month period of my life, and uh, in recent years I've really missed that, and I've also gotten kind of sick of my friends and family uh, not wanting to listen to me talk inside baseball for hours on end. Uh, so the lens of baseball is still what's going to be used here, but it's more about the connections that we make through the game rather than the game itself. So each episode, um, I'm going to have a guest from my personal life to talk about the person that I interviewed, and then we'll listen to that. So it'll be sort of like a lead-in to uh, the actual discussion with somebody else at the beginning. It's, I guess, a little meta. I don't, I don't know. We'll see if that works, and if it doesn't, then we'll change the format up. But, you know, for now, that's how we're doing it. Uh, this first episode is about heartbreak, and we're releasing it on Valentine's Day because, you know, what a better time to talk about that. I suppose this is going to be a weird way for me to introduce my fiancé, who's actually going to be my first guest in an episode uh, about heartbreak, but um, this is my fiancé, Allie. Welcome to, uh, welcome to the show, Allie. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here from our uh, from our living room <laughs> with our dog growling in the back. <laughs> yeah, if you hear, if you hear the dog just screaming at the door, if you've listened to me on anything, you know that happens like once an episode anyway. Allie, I gotta ask you: when you started dating me, how long into it did it take for you to realize how much of a factor in my life baseball is? I mean, I knew immediately that it was a big part of your life. I don't remember. If it was actually in your dating app description. Hell or... no. I didn't talk. Uh, so we met on Bumble. <laughs> yeah, Bumble. We Bumble. met on Bumble. And I, it's funny because if I were doing it now, I think I would have been a lot more genuine. But back then I was like too cool to actually talk <laughs> about myself in it. So the whole profile was like me writing it from the perspective of a bot pretending to be human. Um, where it was like, I am most certainly not a bot. I enjoy all of these human things. And for some reason, Ali's wiped what was the direction that you right 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 yeah left is bad right is good yeah it's been it's been what like three and a half years yeah yeah three and a half uh or it'll be four in april so coming up on that yeah. so now that we've established that you didn't get that from my profile i think i feel like i definitely knew it before we went on our first date because i know you had talked about the fact that you were working on a book um where you had interviewed retired baseball players. Um, so I knew it was a part of your life. Although, honestly, when we were talking, you talked more about tennis than you did about baseball. Um, just about the fact that you were playing tennis a lot, 
then so I was like, oh, he's more of a tennis boy than a baseball boy. Is there? Do you see a difference between tennis boys and baseball boys? I mean, I, I mean, we've talked about tennis a lot more, like both of the sports, obviously, since we've started dating. But I think with tennis, it seems much more individualistic, even if you're playing with, you know, a partner or a friend. Um, and it, I think tennis for you, I think it's something that you're, you're really good at physically, whereas not that you're not good at baseball. No, you I can say it. I was yeah. never, I was never good enough. I was better at tennis. Um, yeah. I don't think I would have made like my high school baseball team. Uh, but I made my high school tennis team. And for me, it was just being part of a team and being able to compete. Um, but my, I mean, my, my passion was always for baseball. Yeah. And that became so much more apparent after, you know, we really started dating. And I think, um, you know, I mean, it was obviously important to you, but, I, and then, you know, I mean, we were started dating during baseball season, April, 2019, and it was a big deal. And then, 2020 hit and there was no baseball and I, I saw how much that impacted you and you know well, especially <laughs> especially because six weeks after we started dating I quit my job to work for the to work for the Woo Sox um as like uh like a contractor on data streaming yeah. and you know I went from a nice um like secure job with Amazon to not having health insurance anymore um <laughs> Thank you for sticking with me through that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I thought at the time how that would look either. Um, yeah. But you know, then we got caught in a global pandemic, and uh, you know, here we here we are now. Yeah, three and a half years <laughs> later, and uh, engaged, and living together, and all that, all that stuff. You know what this episode's about, though, right? Heartbreak. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. So you actually listened to. Um, I had I had my friend uh, Bailey von Schneider come on, and we talked about um, when our two favorite players left the Boston Red Sox. So even though I said this wasn't a Red Sox podcast, this is sort of Red Sox to me today. But that's just because we both grew up in Boston, and you know, if you're a Red Sox fan and you're talking about getting your heart broken probably going to be because of something Red Sox related. But um, what'd, you, what'd you think, Allie? I think you both had a really good conversation about, you know, the parallels between, you know, baseball and your personal lives. And I, I think in some ways, I, I think it's, it's very similar. And I think in some ways it's, it's a very different kind of thing too. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I think it is in some ways, even though the, the people on the team might not realize it, it is a reciprocal relationship in some way. Yeah. But I don't think they do realize it. You know, it's like they need their fans or else they're, they're nothing, you know? Yeah. But I mean, there are some people that just don't, there's some players that just don't really care one way or the other about the fans. So yeah. I don't know, but I guess those are probably the ones that aren't quite as like, they're not as popular for that reason. I think that, Along with being really good, like, that connection makes people ultra-popular. Well, I think that's what you were talking about with Nomar, too. It's like you liked him because he wasn't just a baseball player. He integrated himself in the community of Boston, which I think is really important. And it honestly kind of made me think, too, because everyone, you know, loves Tom Brady. It's... I feel like, though, he never really was like, I am Boston. You know, I don't think he, like, I mean, I think he did, like, charity work and stuff, but I don't think he really integrated himself in New England is the way, like, Nomar, you know, had. Yeah, at the time. This is, for me, I am, like, very far removed from sports. Like, what I know about sports, I know from Eddie and just growing up in Boston, but I am by no means, like, a sports expert or enthusiast i'm i'm a fan but it's uh you're a pit cat let's not kid ourselves i told you that guy tried to interview me wait what guy wait can you explain that to me what so this is i don't know if i ever told you this like i was my friend liz had gotten um red sox tickets and um i went to meet her after work and i wasn't even wearing I was wearing a Tufts hat, like a Tufts med school hat. Like, that was my baseball hat. And some guy came up to me with, like, a tape recorder and was like, oh, can I just, like, ask you a couple questions about baseball? And I was like, oh, I was like, I don't know anything about baseball. Like, I'm not the person you want to interview me. And I, like, I don't know how I knew it, but I knew 
pink hat was a thing. Like, and I was like, this could be it. And I was like, I was like, I, I kind of just like shoved him off. I, I should have really said like, I know you're trying to interview me for pink hat. Like, but. What's pink hat though? Is that, I mean, is that like the ask the pink hat thing? Yeah. Like, from... This was years ago. This was like early, probably like 2013, 2012, maybe, maybe even 2014. It was around that time, but it's where, you know, they find some girl with a pink baseball hat and make her look stupid. You, yeah, you were like, I will not allow you to bully me. Yeah, I know I am stupid when it comes to baseball. I am here to go in and drink my like $12, my car, my hard lemonade and gossip with my friend about who we're dating, you know? Like, <laughs> Is that what non-baseball fans do at baseball games? I mean, I watch. I like. I think I watch more now that I'm like dating you. Now that you have to deal with me being like, "Holy shit! Did you see that? Did you see that? Can I? I can I spend the next ten minutes explaining to you why that's significant?" I know. I don't. And I remember one of our very like early on dates. Like you were really excited, and I got really excited. I think it was like a. Do you remember who played it? I remember it was a really exciting game in the end. It was like June 2019. Um, I Do you remember, remember where we were. We we were right kind of near Pesky's pole. Oh gosh, was that that might have been the game that Chris Sale struck out fourteen people at? But um, anyway, what 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 did did you ever have? Did you have an experience like um when you were a kid though, where you got your heart broken by something that wasn't like a relationship or something like that? That's a good question. Yeah, no, that is a really good question. I don't think because like I mean I liked as a child I liked bands I like you know like I was like a Backstreet Boys fan I love that I still love Celine Dion to this day like you know there was like shows and movies and stuff that I liked but I don't think anything ever let me down you know to the extent that you and Bailey had talked about having you know these players who have gotten traded and having your heart broken in that way I don't think I was impacted by anything in like pop culture or media that like really hurt me you know what was your first heartbreak then it's a good question it probably wasn't until college uh, you know i think yeah i think i would say co college and i just i mean i remember that viscerally like it was like the first guy i had dated and like it was like really like my you know like, he was, he was the first boyfriend I had ever had. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, and I, I remember uh, he left me for a girl who was my friend. So. That's the one with the Avril Lavigne thing. Yes! The girl posted in her AIM profile afterwards, Hey, hey, you, you. I don't want your girlfriend. Hey, hey, you, you. I don't think you need a new one. And I still hate Avril Lavigne to this day because of that AIM thing. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, it wasn't a long relationship, but I would say that was my first, like, real heartbreak. And I just remember being, like, so sad and needing to go home for the weekend. And I wrote a, like, probably 10-page entry in my live journal. It was, like, a whole thing, you know? Because for me, it was more of an update to my high school friends. You know, it's like I was newly in college and they didn't have all of like the background on this. So I gave, you know, the full history of my friendship with this girl and the full history of my relationship with this guy. And I was like, I could write a novel about this. You know, thinking you have this like story that's like one in a million. And then, you know, knowing that like so many people have been through similar things. I think when you're young, you just feel things so much more intensely like even like like that crush I had on him like I remember like talking with my friends like we had a class together so my friends we would coordinate my outfit before I would borrow like my roommate's skirt and I would plan out what I was gonna say and again it was just like so much like excitement and I think now that we're all so like connected and online and like oh I mean I think you and I had an exciting like beginning of our relationship, but it's different when it's online, you know, it's, it, you know, we, it's like, okay, you talk and then you meet up and you're also in, I, I mean, I was in my thirties, you know? <laughs> well, it's also like you're already dating them sort of online. Like you're talking to them every day for a few days. Yeah. So it's like, you've been on, you've been, you, you get to know them a decent amount before you actually meet them, at least in my experience, which is good because if you don't like them, you don't have to waste that much time with them. But it does take away some of that excitement and some of that mystery 
early on. It's interesting that you, you know, like your for your college breakup, your first college mm. breakup was this real intense experience for you. Um, mine, I ordered pizza and I went to a party with my roommates and I hit on a bunch of women <laughs> and I felt great. I didn't really, and I mean, I wasn't super invested in it, yeah. but I also, I do, I really do think that like, it's important to get your heart broken when you're younger so that you know how to deal with it when you're older. It's oh, important yeah. to go through those extreme feelings of sadness over something out of your control happening. And, you know, I mean, things, you know, like relatives passing away or friends moving or relationships with people ending that you're not ready for. Those are good ways to do that. Yeah. Um, I, but I really do think that, like, the first one that I really viscerally remember is when Nomar got traded. Yeah. It really, that stuck with me. I have never enjoyed baseball the same way after. I think mm -hmm. I'm much more, um, I don't really have an emotional attachment to any of it, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not excited about it, but it's like, you know, it's like a good, and I think that that's part of why I want to branch away from just, like, doing Red Sox shit, because... It makes me feel like a homer for something that I'm not really that invested in, like, I guess emotionally. I mean, I would say, you know, I think you, I think, I think you are more invested in maybe not particular players or particular teams, but you do have a deep love of the sport or else you wouldn't be doing any of this. You know, I, I mean, I see the, 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 uh, the game that you play with your dad. Um, uh, uh, she's re referencing um, APA, which is like a tabletop uh, baseball simulator. And that's something you've been doing since you were a child. And I think that's what led you to doing all of this now. It's, I mean, so it's like maybe you're, you don't, after Nomar, you don't have a particular attachment to the, you know, the people and the teams, but I, th I think you have a true love of the sport. Yeah, I mean, I think it's some. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. It didn't. It didn't hurt my love of the game or anything like that. I mean, I was fourteen. I still thought I was going to be a major league baseball player at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Nope. <laughs> it's it's not even not really being. I think that I'm. I might be overselling that. Like I'm obviously like I'm looking across our living room right now, and we have like a Mookie Betts. And a Kevin Euclid's picture and a Ted Williams and there's like some blueprints of Fenway. So it's not like I don't love the Red Sox. I just don't – I don't get attached to the players anymore, you know? It's just not – it's just not worth it. So anyway, th Allie, thank you so much for uh, for doing this and uh, we're going to – going to hop into my conversation with Bailey Von Schneider about – the heartbreak that is being a baseball fan, being a fan of any team where a player can be gone just like that. I hope you enjoy it, or at least, I don't know if enjoy is the right word because it's kind of depressing, but I hope you get something out of listening to it. Today, I'm joined by co-host of Soxy Chicks, Pesky Report, Over the Monster, and a proud worshiper at the Church of Baseball. It's my friend, Bailey Von Schneider. So, Bailey, mm -hmm. let me ask you something, though. In mm -hmm. your, which, when you think about the most painful heartbreak you have had in your life, is it through baseball or is it from a romantic relationship? Mm. Honestly, I would have to say, like, truthfully, this is going to sound, they're going to be like, oh, you're lame, Bailey. Like, has a man broken your heart as much as the Red Sox? Uh, honestly, probably not. Because if you just, I'm a, I'm a very emotional person. And I remember, like, how I was in a teenager within, like, a relationship but then it's like relationships men come and go in essence except for you know the 25 to now 26 men that have been on that field and that I that I cheer for like I've I've been with them longer than I have been with like any any man really so it's like I find that sometimes the heartbreak at least when I was younger could it did impact me 
more than you know any any man could ever hurt me which i, I don't know what that, maybe that's a good maybe i'm like i'm like oh look at me over here being like uh, i got this tough backbone because you can't hurt me any more than the red Sox ever could <laughs> I don't know. well let me let me ask you like when you were in high school did you did you have a lot of boyfriends or were you because for me i went on my first date no, just after i turned more 17. college I still to this day have fun. That's the thing is like, I've never like, I've been more like go out and have fun. Um, so it's like right now I'm very single and I'm, I'm old now. So I'm like, hello, gentlemen, line on up. Like I'm ready for a relationship, but also like in my twenties and stuff, I've, I was always been somebody that's like sort of been like, oh, I'm just going to go out and have a lot of fun. So it's like, I never necessarily had like super long, crazy relationships. Uh, so it's like, especially when it comes to, you know, the real true heartbreak, it's like, that probably is more of, you know, what the Red Sox have done for me. Because like, I sometimes am the kind of person that's also like, I'm not going to let you break my heart too. So I'm going to try and get yours before you can get to me. But that's my own selfish nature, I think, true. <laughs> That's interesting, though, because you don't have that kind of control with baseball. If you're in, when you're in a relationship with somebody, if you're inclined to because you think this isn't going anywhere, I'm getting too invested. They don't seem invested. I don't like where this is going. You can always just end it if it's a end it if it's a Red Sox player or somebody like that, and they trade them. You don't have any control over that. You don't have any say in what the uh, what the team is going to do, and that's yeah. you know that can be that can be kind of scary. I mean, I know I know who your favorite player was, and I know who my favorite player was growing up, and I can tell you that when my favorite player was traded, it was substantially worse than any breakup I have had since. I have bounced back pretty nicely. I had a three year relationship, and pretty suddenly. About a week later, I think. Well, not a week later. It took me. I had a bit of a downward spiral, but I don't watch baseball. We all do. It's way. fine. Yeah. No, I don't watch baseball the same way though. Um, and I'm going to tell you that story. Um, and that story is the story yes. of Nomar Garcia Parra and the 2004 Red Sox. Now, um, you grew up. You're you were you were class of 2008, right? Like we're about the same age. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh wait. So with that, you know what Nomar was if you were growing up in that time period. You're after Movon, around the same time as Pedro Martinez, but I think people felt more of a connection to Nomar because he was homegrown and because yes. he was a little bit before Pedro. Um, but I can tell you, I got into baseball, I think it was around 1998. And Nomar was just everything. I remember I had a boss when in like 2012 who was like 64 at the time. And he said that when he was like out gardening and he heard like he'd be listening to his radio. And when he found out Nomar was coming up, he'd sprint into the house to see the bat on the TV. It was that mm -hmm. kind of like people were just that into it. And, you know, when you're 10, 11, 12, they had the All-Star Game at Fenway in uh, 1999, and Nomar was the centerpiece of all that. He was um, he was in the Home Run Derby. It was as much as having a real, honest-to-God, legend, living legend in front of you. Um, he was bigger than life. He really was. Uh, and the fans loved him. I, yeah. um, I mean... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he was exceedingly popular. And then, I don't know if it was 2003 or 2004 when this initially started, but there started to be conversation about, like, contract disputes. I was, I think I was, yeah, I was a sophomore in high school at the time. It was, like, the summer in between my freshman year and my sophomore year. So I was, like, at the exact, like, worst hormonally charged, angry time in my life. Um and somewhere in all of this, towards the very end, at the last minute, uh, between all of these rumors, all of these conversations that Nomar was miserable in Boston and he was sitting on the bench and he was dogging it and trying to just 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 moping and bring everyone down with 10 minutes to go in the trade deadline, he gets dealt to the Chicago Cubs for Orlando Cabrera and um, Doug Minkiewicz. And if those names don't mean anything mm -hmm. to you, 
it's because you were really a baseball fan in 2004. Um, they were solid but unspectacular players, whereas Nomar Garcia Parra had been on SNL and was, you know, you, there was the whole, the big shortstops at the time, Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, and Nomar Garcia Parra. He was right there with them. He was, there's a great Derek Jeter quote where Jeter says, uh, or no, Aaron, sorry. Where he said, "I'm the I'm the most well um I'm the most I'm the youngest. Jeter's the most uh, famous, but Nomar's the best. And he, mm-hmm. if you're going pure hitter, it's there is a case that 1999, 2000, Nomar Garcia Parra is the best all time right handed hitting shortstop. If you're just going just pure hit tool, like who hits 372 now and plays shortstop? Who hits an average anything close to that? Nobody does." No. Um, so Nomar got traded. I thought that they had, um, he was going to sneak past that. And I was just destroyed by it. I was just completely and utterly just, I remember we were listening to WEI in the car. My mom was driving me back from somewhere cause I didn't have a driver's license. <laughs> um, and I just sat in silence the entire ride, probably stoic, probably with just a single tear going down my eye. And then I got home and I just ran up to my bedroom and I just, just, it just burst out. I was just crying and screaming. And, you know, I had, I think, five Nomar Garcia Parra posters in my room. I didn't have Mm. other decorations. It was like Nomar. And that was kind of it. Yeah, I was destroyed by it. I was so angry. I had an Angel Fire website at the time that I like used as a live journal type thing. And I wrote a thing about how, Theo Epstein had ruined my life and I hate him. Uh, <laughs> but can I tell you what got worse about this? And the thing that to this day still kind of bothers me. The Red Sox won the World Series, went on to win the World Series that year. And everyone says it was the right thing to do. And that is like hearing that you got dumped. And it was and it was somebody that you still had feelings for and that you weren't entirely emotionally removed from. And it was good that this was happening. Yeah, happened. and then he has and that he has like a new girlfriend that he like immediately proposes to. And like you're like, oh well, shit. Well he had his rebound. True. Um his rebound was the Cubs, and then True. he had like his yes, his, his next then... relationship with the Dodgers. Ended up with the A's, and the thing that that he's not really involved with the Red Sox community at all anymore. That drives me nuts because like he was just such a big yeah. deal here, and he does he does commentary. He does Dodger games. It's, yeah, it's Dodgers now. Like he did ESPN for a bit. I remember being at a game he was doing for ESPN and hearing like "We love No Bar," like that sort of thing. Like as they went into extra and it was really cool because he, you know, as much as the media turned on him, and as much as people would say, "Oh, like they won the World Series, so who cares." He was still beloved here. He still is beloved in Boston. Um, and he's still my he's still my favorite player. Um, I don't watch baseball the same way anymore. Um, I used to be able like when when Nomar was on the Red Sox, I felt differently about the Red Sox. Um, because it wasn't just that they were my favorite team, they were Nomar's team. Not only was it my favorite team, but it was the team of the player that I was watching more than anybody else, the team of the player that I looked up to the team of the player that I felt this very strong emotional connection to. And when that, mm-hmm. when that left, I was never really able to uh, replace it any, anywhere with any other player there. Don't get me wrong. Like there are other players that I liked very much. Like Pedro Martinez obviously was there for a long time. Uh, David Ortiz did mm-hmm. incredible things. Absolute pleasure to watch. Um, but after that, it was just never really the same for me. Like, I didn't get upset about it one way or the other. Like, when the team had that collapse in 2011 or when they lost in the playoffs in 2008, it was just kind of like, a, okay, whatever. Um, or we can even go more recently, like Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts either getting traded or siding with another team. And those are guys that were complete, gen- just generational talents and joys to watch play, but... I don't care, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, but I still, I still sometimes feel shitty about no more getting traded. Uh, yeah, because that's the, 
That's the one that impacted you. That's the one when you were young, you were coming up, you were figuring out you like how much you loved this sport and you connected with someone. So when that is ripped away from you, like it was, especially like you said, 10 minutes before the deadlift, so you think, oh, it's not going to happen. They're not going to trade him. So you're thinking, and then literally it's like, no, he's traded. Like that's going to impact you in a way that probably no other player ever will. Yeah, it, it does make me feel more complicated about free agency. Um, yeah. Obviously, I support the players having that, but they didn't have to worry about that with Ted Williams. That's all I'm saying. People would be like, oh, well, Ted, no one plays on the same team anymore. Ted Williams was with the Red Sox for 23 years. And it's like, well, yeah, no kidding. Like, Yeah, um, well, he didn't yeah. have a choice. <laughs> I think segregation was also still a thing for a lot of that. Like, like times yeah. change. Uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm happy for all these Yankee kids now that get uh see Aaron Judge play in New York for his whole career. Like that's pretty cool for them. But it's, yeah, that's awesome. It's not something that happens much anymore. It's just it, it just yeah. doesn't. And it I think that if he had walked away as a free agent somewhere else, I would have felt better about it because at least that would have been his choice. When a player gets traded, yeah. yeah it's 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 different it really it really is um when you break up with someone you know sometimes you don't have a choice it's like they could break your heart but for the most part like as you grow older they are mutual usual things so it's like it's like it's like you could look at a relationship like free agency oh i want to go try something else and new whereas like when you're younger and something like with a, a trade it's just taken from you whether or not you want it to happen you yeah. know yeah, and it, it so it's like the, you feel that. Yeah, the, the relationships between like fans and players is impersonal, mm -hmm. but it feels personal in a lot of ways too. Yeah, and you feel like wild. Yeah, no, you feel like you know this person, but I think at the same time, for a lot of the players, they do feel like they have a relationship with the fans, and it's it's similar in the way I think that we have this idolized version of them like we project onto them what we want them to be and i think a lot of players will do that to the fans where they kind of project like this is who i think like the the team is and that's i think that's where like i i i want i often wonder how the players think about the media and what they think their role in this yeah. is it's almost like the in between between the fans and the players but you're tell me about your favorite player growing up uh yeah so my favorite player growing up was trot Nixon so definitely uh, a little different from Nomar Garcia Parra um he too however was a seventh overall pick by the Boston Red Sox uh homegrown player but he was just never on the caliber that it was um you know Nomar was but I loved the way he played I loved the way he was in the community there was just a lot about Trot Nixon that I loved so you know after you know 2006 he he gets his like they know that they're not going to, you know, go after him in free agency and bring him back to play right field. So they give him, you know, his final goodbye, you know, they replace him in right field. He tips his very dirty cap and uh, he goes on and he signs with, you know, the, at the time, the Cleveland Indians, now the Cleveland guardians. So he goes and he signs with Cleveland and um, the Red Sox proceed to yes, 100% sign the better player in um, JD Drew. Uh, but again, uh, being an emotional at that time, a uh, 17 year old, uh, I hate JD Drew. I hate that he took my man's position. I hate that he took his number. And I just hated that JD Drew had more talent than Trot Nixon, but played with half of the effort. And that drove me insane. But um, from a, a logical standpoint, at this now being in my 30s and understanding that this is the business, that Business-wise, made so much sense for the Boston Red Sox <laughs> to sign J.D. Drew over Trot Nixon. I mean, it does. It does. It hurt me. It hurt me. But now it's like if something like that happens now, I'm more prepared to sort of understand the business aspect and um, what makes your team better than, you know, my own personal feelings for a player. That's why I sort of focus less on who the player is and more about the overall, what can this do for my team? I think that this is interesting because it illustrates that you are much more of a pragmatist than me <laughs> because I, um, 
And I feel weird saying this because I know that it doesn't follow logic at all, but I remember going to the parade in 2004 mm -hmm. and it being this like really, it was when they broke the curse of the Bambino. You know, 86 years, the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series. Um, people, fathers, grandfathers, you know, like the family has these connections, like not all of them live to see this thing that they mm -hmm. wanted more than anything. And even even as a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, it felt kind of hollow to me, which is weird to think about because I think – I mean I think some of it is because I was so young. I didn't have 30 years of this to wait for. You know, I was – I got it pretty quickly, all things considered. Um, yes. But if I'm being – completely honest and i mean if i were 33 right now and it hadn't happened they had kept nomar and you told me that if they traded nomar for orlando cabrera and doug minkavich they would win a world not only would they win one world series they'd win four in like the next 20 years um i would say that's really fucking stupid that's a terrible trade why would they make that and why would that lead to a world series obviously that happened though um but the yeah. visceral emotional reaction to it for me um, still doesn't feel like it was worth it. And I know that that's it's like I know it, it's the difference between logically knowing something and having like a gut feeling about something. It, it, the, the emotion like the head and the heart and like my my heart always wins when it comes to this. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And it's interesting with me too, is that like, you know, the idea of like, you'll get, like you say, older fans that have said, oh, like, sweetheart, you don't know what it's, well, you don't know what it's like. It's like, sure, we don't know what it's like to wait for a World Series, but also telling us that we don't know what it's like to watch this team suck is just <laughs> incorrect. Because like, we've lived through 2011. We lived through, even going back, we lived through 2003. We lived through the shit that was 2012. Like we lived through 2020. We lived through this past season of 2022. So like we've lived through horrible, and not even just like bad, like taking it to a true art form and making it that bad. Like it's like, we've, we've dealt with it. We've dealt with the heartbreak. We've watched like, I don't know what it was like to see, you know, um, Bucky Dent hit that home run. I don't know what it was like to, you know, think that you're going to win the World Series after, you know, Carlton Fist hits that home run in game six, only to lose it in game seven. I don't know what it's like to, you know, watch the ball go through Buckner's legs in 86. But I do know what it's, uh, I do know what it's like to watch the uh, game seven of the ALCS uh, in 2008 and, be extremely impacted by that and having that easily be the biggest heartbreak when it comes to watching the sport that I have ever had. Oh yeah. No, I have a vivid memory of that. Um, I cried. And, oh, I cried. oh yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. They and were going to go back to back. They should yeah. have gone back to back. They were, a, they were the better team. They just dealt with some injuries and to get it, you know, come back in game six, like they did to just then lose to the fucking Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> yeah Ugh. but i just think about in 2003 when um, boone hit that home run and i thought that that was it i thought they were it's still never working going for him yeah no i thought they were never going to win a world series after that i thought that was as close as they were going to get and nomar was still on the team then i preferred that to nomar yeah. getting traded i think it hurt they more were, when nomar were, got uh, yeah. good yeah, it hurt more when Nomar got traded than when that home run was hit. Because I it was the entire team versus the individual. Yeah. And it's more of the yeah. same. It's more of the same with that. Let's go, let's go back a little bit, because um to to Nixon. And what was it about Nixon that made him your favorite? What was his personality like? I just love the I love I'm the type of player that even if you don't have the most talent on the field, you are putting the most effort into what you do. So everything that Trot Nixon did. He prided himself on. He prided himself on every at bat, on you know every catch that he can make in right field. He really valued the fan base too, which is important to me too. Um, like in two thousand and four, after they won the World Series, people were like, uh, "No, I think it was actually it was in two thousand and four after we won the comeback." So the ALCS Game Seven, they're at Yankee Stadium. They were like, they went out to try next, and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, this is Red Sox fans in in the outfield. I'm gonna go talk to my fans." Like I I like players 
like that. I like players that play hard, that wear, that play for the city and play with the pride of, you know, like I said, I, what's on the front of your chest, Red Sox or Boston. They play for that more than they play for Trot Nixon. Yeah, so you kind of like, he was almost like that blue collar working man vibe for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always liked that about him. And even like, you know, in the world series when he got that like pretty big double and they were like, Oh, he missed the home run by five feet. He's like, I didn't care. I didn't care. Yeah. I, I needed to drive the ball and it mattered that my teammates scored. I didn't care that I was five feet away from a home run. Like that is the type of player that I like. That's the type of player that I gravitate towards. Um, Mike Lowell is, a, I felt it was a lot like that too. He was, you know, after Trot leaves, you know, Lowell comes right in and that's sort of my next love. And thankfully I at least get to, I get my happy ending with that because he ended his career here and um, he loves the Red Sox. Like his son, like there, he posted a picture of, you know, in 2001 when, um, uh, you know, no, in 2021, you know, when we almost make it to the world series and we didn't get there. And then it was a video of his son being upset. Like his son is a Red Sox fan like that. It's now within part of his identity. So I just like these guys that sort of just play the game the right way and play for the city more than themselves. And that's the type of player that I look for. So that's what I see in a Trot Nixon and a Mike Lowell. When mm -hmm. you're looking for like at, at dudes, is that something like when you're looking for somebody to date, somebody sorry, to ever, just, um, when you're yeah. like looking for somebody to maybe like, yeah. you know, like have a relationship mm -hmm. with, do you look for the same traits that you look at a ball player or, or are you looking for something else in your personal life? That's actually a really good question. I'm not going to think back on, the, all of these things in, in my past. Um, I would say so. I mean, I think it's like, like, I like a family oriented guy. So somebody who is like very much not even just like he's into the people around him, whether it be family or friends. So somebody that loves things maybe more than themselves or even, or like, I, I don't know, just like can put their best efforts into other people. Like I'm a, I'm a person that likes to give to the people that I love you know I love seeing people get presents more than I lo I love getting presents but I love love seeing that something that I thought of that could be perfect for someone that I love care about and the joy that they get from that I thought I'm more joy in that than me getting something you know so I think it's somebody that just like puts you know, a lot of love and detail into their personal lives and care about their personal lives is definitely something that I look for in a guy, I would say, above all. So, like, that's probably what I like with, like I said, these players that I really like are the, the players that give to the community a lot. I think that's why people like Brock Holt, because Brock Holt was more than just the player. He was a huge captain for, you know, the Jimmy Fund. And, and still to this day, does things for the Jimmy Fund. He lived in the Boston area year round. So it's like you you just see somebody that's more than themselves. And I think I gravitate towards that, whether it be my personal life or in the players that I like to watch. Yeah. So you're very community focused, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And very much the the people around, because I believe the people around you are the people that can help make you better. And these are the type of people that can help you succeed within or whatever it is you want to do within your life. So I really value personal relationships. Yeah. I um I think what it's funny because I'm thinking about what appealed to me about Nomar. And mm -hmm. yes, was he objectively the best hitter on the team? Yes. But I really appreciated how naturally and easily it came to him that he was really good and he knew yeah. that he was really good, but it also didn't seem that it, it, it didn't ever really seem like being good at baseball defined who he was. Um, and I remember, you know, seeing him sign autograph for kids and really go out of his way to talk to them and make them feel um, like they were important. Yeah. I remember there was this story about some woman drowning and him and his uncle jumped into the water and rescued her. And nobody knew, like, it was Nomar Garcia Parra that did this, like, just dove into the Charles River to to save this person um, because he didn't really think of it as being much. Um and that, that to me, I always, I always have had a lot of respect for people like that, that their identity isn't necessarily built around what they're good at. They have, mm -hmm. they, but they still know who they are. Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's always, I think about that sometimes with, um, with my fiance right now, and like, why, 
you know, like, why have you ended up with somebody like this rather than somebody like this? And I do think that that's a part of um, of her identity that I like is that she's very aware of who she is. Um, and I, I think that I don't know. I think that that's something that I just admire a lot because I spent such a long time not knowing who I was, but not really liking myself either way. Um and, you know, like you, you grow up and you kind of figure your shit out as you get older. I think I'm very different now that, you know, I was when I was 13. Oh my God, I would hope so considering yeah. I'm in my 30s now. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think I just think it's I think that that it, it is interesting, the takeaways that you have from that, because I also think about people that I've dated. I had dated prior to to my fiance and like. Not really anybody that fit that description. So it, it's sort of like, well, of course those didn't work out then. <laughs> yeah, of course. So you're sort of like looking for what your ideal man or woman might be or what your ideal player is and how those players impact your team. And like, you know, there's always like, you know, there's off seasons and it's like, you know, when you're constructing, you know, when High and Bloom is like constructing his team, it's like, well, what is going to make my overall team better. You know, it's like you look and you say to yourself, okay, like most of the shortstops are gone except for Dansby Swanson at this point. And then we look at Dansby Swanson and we say, maybe there's only been one exceptional season, but maybe High and Bloom looks at it and says that he offers the Red Sox more than a Carlos Correa does because maybe you get him at less years. Um, you're bringing in elite defense and you're bringing in somebody that maybe won't block um, a Marcella Meyer, the way that, you know, 11 years from, you know, Xander Bogart does, or 10 year, or what was it, 12 years for um, Carlos Correa. So maybe that he's looking through the overall of what can somebody like a Dansby Swanson do for my organization. And maybe organizationally, he fits better for the team, whereas like, Maybe overall, like your fiance now fit better for you than anybody else did. And it now you're seeing it and it, it makes more sense, you know, rather than when we're younger, we just go into things. We think on impulses and certain things like that. And like I cried in 2008 and I could I cared in 2021, but it didn't affect me watching them lose that ALCS that it did in 2008 you know because i i've grown and i've matured and i understand things just like how you do in in your relationships as you get older i do find it interesting though that you kind of continue to have this preference for not necessarily the big star on the team but like the more of like the the glue parts like who was okay 2022 red Sox. who was your favorite player on it so many injuries this is really uh know, what, I... what it gets me that's the thing um i do though i like I like somebody like, a, you know, a Kike Hernandez who went out there and I think it is that again, it's not the best player on your team. The glue. But it's somebody, yeah. It's somebody that is making the team lighter. It's somebody who's still going out there and playing some of the best center field that, I mean, we were spoiled for so long. We had the best de defensive center fielder maybe in a generation. So it's not as if you could say like, oh, we went from somebody who was trash on defense to then seeing the brilliance of Kike. But we had somebody like Kike that adapted, that got signed pretty much to play second base. And we're like, you know what? He's going to throw you in the center field. And he's like, uh, okay, sure. And he gives a gold glove level of center field. So just an, somebody, I like a player who has that adaptability to him. So maybe that is why I like, you know, sort of like a, a role player over. I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong. I like me a superstar too. Like who doesn't, but I think that teams can be built around, you know, not necessarily having the most flashy player at all times. I think for me, it's just somebody that quietly goes about their business is the one that I tend to like. Um, so, you know, yeah. for me last year, like before he got hurt, Trevor story was, I love you know, story too. Yeah, story. I actually really liked Bray and Bayo when he came up just because it was like he was like a rookie in this like situation that he had no business being in. And he just sort of was like, oh, OK. OK, here, here, yeah. here. I am. And, John Schreiber, similar. Yeah, absolutely. So and like, that's the thing is that like throwing money at a Max Scherzer, a Justin Verlander, at this person, at that person, I don't think necessarily means that you're going to win the World Series. I mean, it could happen for the Mets this year. Cool. <laughs> but it still hasn't happened 
yet for them. And Cohen is throwing all of this money. The Yankees are throwing all of this money. Well, yes, the Houston Astros, Astros do spend money. Of course they do. But they don't spend the money on the level that, you know, the Dodgers have been spending money. The Mets have been spending money. The Yankees. And out of those three that I just mentioned, one has a world championship in the last 20 years. I mean, that does go to show, though, that just because something looks good on paper doesn't mean that it's going to work. And, you know, I think Absolutely. that there's something to be said with that, with with all of this, that um, we all kind of like thing, things fall into place or they don't and they work yeah. out or they don't. And there are trends, but we don't know how it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, no, this has been an interesting conversation, though. Do you have anything uh, you want to ask? Any any other things you want to? Uh, no, I just I, I think that there's a there's a beauty. I think there's just a beauty in loving a sport. Like my dad always says that he he's just like, I pity the man you're going to marry, though, in some ways, but not in the way of like he he's like, you're a passionate you're a passionate woman. So any guy that's go you're gonna passionately love him you're gonna passionately love your family your children so he's like i i think that that's great and he's like i see that in how much you love this game like he he's like i love that you love something that's bigger than yourself and i love that i love something like this because as i've gotten older and i do understand the business i've been less emotionally let's say invested in it i still love it i still love my team and it's so interesting when you watch the playoffs and you don't have an emotional attachment to it, how differently it affects you. And that's like the the beauty, I think, of, of any fandom and within loving something. And of course, things can get toxic real quick. We, <laughs> see, we see Twitter and the toxicity there. And um, and I've talked about how I, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the fifth installment of Scream, but I thought that they did have a strong thing about uh, toxic fandom in it that I thought was a really important message because that is, you know... There's a lot of toxicity in there, but there is also something beautiful about people loving something the way they do. And like, we both love the, you know, we both love the Red Sox. We love baseball um, as a whole. I know I do, but um, there's also nice to have this, this team that you love and you root for and you cherish. And even if Xander Bogarts goes to San Diego, like he did, I'm still going to be a Boston Red Sox fan. I'm going to say, cool, Xander, enjoy the sunshine. It's damn San Diego. I get it. Um, but I'm not going to be any less of a Red Sox fan because of it. I'm not going to be any less of a Red Sox fan because of who the owners are. Also, these owners have given you four championships. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, so I, there's a beauty in loving something that's bigger than yourself and sort of not having uh, a control over it, which is also interesting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the player can break your heart, a team can break your heart, but baseball can't. You know, the game, the game can't break your heart, um, and it's always, it's always there, and there's, it's always beautiful. And on that note, that is our show for today. Uh, thank you again so much for joining Bailey. It was really great having you here, and uh, be back hopefully in a few weeks, depending on. <laughs> how long it takes for me to uh, edit the edit the tape. Uh, we'll be back. And uh, yeah, thank you again for joining.